0: Hi there, and welcome to PMI Cast, the only UK podcast devoted to private medical insurance. I'm your host, Phil Knight, and let's get started. Welcome to episode number 56 of PMI Cast, recorded on Thursday the 25th of September 2014. Uh, first of all, apologies for my slightly ropey voice, full of cold today, but still recording nevertheless. So PMICast is the only UK podcast devoted to private medical insurance and related matters. My name is Phil Knight, I'll be your host. I am an independent healthcare consultant based in Leeds, West Yorkshire, but looking after clients... IFA introducers, accountants, anybody who's interested in private medical insurance in the UK and around the world. So welcome to the show. first thing I'd like to point you in the direction of is my business blog, which is found at www.localventure.blogspot.com. As always, I tie the podcast into the blog where I can. And in the last week, a couple of uh, new blog posts, but one in particular that I'd like to draw your attention to uh, that I put up on the 22nd of September. and um, basically I was having a conversation with a person that I thought was a, a prospect um, who, who basically said that private medical insurance was morally wrong. Um, and obviously I didn't fall out with the person, I shout at them, I just quietly got out of the conversation. Uh, But I do talk in the blog post about why I strongly disagree with that statement. There's nothing morally wrong about private medical insurance, quite the reverse. So an interesting, if um, I suppose slightly divisive topic, but if you do have any feedback on uh, on that blog post, I'd be uh, happy to hear it at pmicast at gmail.com com so that's the blog please check it out i regularly update things that are happening in in and around my business there particularly obviously the episode of the podcast always worth checking the blog post out as i say all the w's localventure.blogspot.com now then um, let's move on to introducers. i regularly work with ifas account solicitors any professional advisor who would like me to subcontract their PMI business for their private medical business and help their clients offer advice on medical insurance, and of course, for the introducer, they pick up an extra income stream. So, first of all, I'm doing a lot of work on LinkedIn at the moment, and if you find my um, profile on LinkedIn, you'll probably find the podcast. So, if you are a prospective introducer of mine, listen to the podcast for the first time, and you found me via LinkedIn, welcome. Welcome. I do try and talk about the, the podcast on LinkedIn as well where possible, but uh, obviously listen and uh, hopefully you'll learn things of interest that might help extend uh, the income of your business and also give your clients a better service and give you something else to talk about as an additional sell for the client. So as I say, work regularly with introducers. And one of the questions that I'm often asked, because I suppose introducers don't sell private medical insurance often because of, of time constraints or because it's not regulated, so to do but particularly in my phase, often say to me, Phil, I just don't have time to keep up to date with all the f- product features and changes and in fact I had a conversation not 35 minutes ago with a new contact from LinkedIn who said exactly that to me so I mean, I've worked in the PMI industry since 1994 so I've worked for and sold against virtually every insurer out there so although I wouldn't say I have a an encyclopedic knowledge of insurance products. It is probably true to say I know more than is uh, <laughs> than is sane about private medical insurance products and how they use them. So, obviously, when an introducer talks to me about the specifics of a case, I can very often just reel off the top of my head how a particular plan works or the idiosyncrasies of a particular insurer. Um, but th- there are cases, particularly in the corporate sphere. When you, you have to get down amongst the nitty-gritty of plan details. So I'm not going to say much more about this, but I do have access to a piece of software, a piece of professionally produced commercial software, that enables me to compare a, a, a high number of medical insurance plans, both individual, corporate, and overseas. Um, I can compare individual plans directly to each other or I can compare a range of different plans so that, for example, if we're doing a market review which includes Bupa, AXA PPP, Aviva, WPA, Improve Health, we can actually produce a spreadsheet, a PDF or an Excel spreadsheet with all of those insurance plan specifics going into nauseating detail, often five, six, seven pages of specific plan and benefits and how the, the one or the other compares against each other. I'll be honest, this is a tool that, that I use for my own use on a regular basis. Um, for example, yesterday, I just could not remember the age at which dependents were removed from Axis PPP's product. So I just went into this piece of software, rolled up Axis PPP, and there was the answer halfway down the sheet. I don't use it a lot with clients because, obviously a lot of information can be confusing. So I'll tend to distill this down in the client report to a few key features, a few key differences. But particularly in the corporate context, when we have a holding insurer versus one that I'm recommending, it's often quite nice for the client to have that in front of them so we can ask specific questions. We had this with our previous cover. Do we have it with a new plan? And of course, I would never recommend move to an inferior plan, but we can talk specifics and really drill down to as much detail as the client wants. So although it's there for individuals, I tend to use it more on the small corporate side. But a lot of my introducer-related business tends to be small corporate. So it's worth bearing in mind if you are talking to a client that either we looked after before or a new client that you're looking to refer across to me, and they ask the question, will Phil be able to help me with product specifics? The answer is very much a big yes. So every week I talk about a specific private medical insurance issue. This week, when I was doing my planning for the show, I couldn't come up with a single one that I thought was really worth banging on about for, a, <laughs> for 10 or 15 minutes. So I've got a lot of smaller ones. I'm gonna run through quite quickly. So I suppose in the shape of a, of a, a frequently asked question or just a question that, that we can quickly talk about here. First one is, I'm buying a new private medical plan. Should I have an excess? The answer is definitely yes. Typically for £100 excess, so you pay the first £100 of every claim, depending on how the insurer formats their claims process, their excess in claim process, but generally speaking, £100 off the claim. That will give you a discount off the premium of about between 8 and 12%, 10% let's call it, go in the middle with the average. So if you're paying £1,000 premium, it'll cost you £900 with £100 excess. And given that that hundred pounds is going to be the cost usually around of the first consultation with the specialist, I would say the discount always justifies having that excess in place. It'll be vary. It'll vary between clients, and on particularly small, £35-40 pounds a month type plans, it might not be worth doing. But as you get older and the premiums get more expensive, an excess is always worth considering. Um, I've had a few issues in the past couple of weeks around. Plans with built-in travel insurance. Booper, for example, went through a period of offering free, in inverted commas, scare quotes, free travel insurance to people on some of their plans. So when I'm doing a life flight comparison, if I want to do exact life-for-like, I need to include a travel insurance product. The problem with travel insurance, which is um, <coughs> covered within a private medical plan, is that it tends to be quite expensive. Good plans. Improve health have a very strong travel insurance bolt-on. Acts PPP as well. But in comparative terms to what you can buy from the likes of Money Supermarket for an annual travel plan, they are very, very expensive. So in answer to the question, should I load up my private medical premium by including travel insurance, as a general rule, I would say no. I think it's more sensible to shop around and come up with an annual travel plan, which is standalone that will be an awful lot cheaper. That then opens an avenue for me because once we take the travel insurance out of the equation, it means the life-flight private medical insurance premiums against Bupa will be very, very competitive. So for example, I've got a case at the moment with a client where he's paying uh, something in the region of £460 a month for his Bupa travel plan and PMI together. When we take the travel out of the equation, other insurers are in at well under £400 a month. So for this client, we can save them over £70 a month just by reducing the travel plan. And for this particular client, a joint life travel insurance plan worldwide will cost about £100 a year. So we're actually saving around £700 a year by moving them to a new insurer. They're no worse off, just the same travel plan, they just have it coming out on a different direct debit. Um, psychiatric cover. Should I include that in my private medical insurance product? Well, Yes if you can afford it. It's a bolt-on for all of insurers. One or two include it automatically. Simply Health, for example, on their older plans, automatically included uh, psychiatric. In most cases, it's a bolt-on. My view is that personal, personal uh, purchasers tend not to include um, psychiatric cover because it, it adds on about 10-12% to a premium. So generally speaking, I quote without psychiatric when I'm quoting for a brand new client, and then I'll say, to add psychiatric, will be a loading of about 10-12% to this premium. In the corporate sector, it's interesting. I still think that, that corporates should pay for psychiatric benefit for employees, because obviously workplace stress is, is a big issue for businesses, but a lot of businesses don't. So psychiatric is a judgment call. My advice is always to include as much benefit within a plan as you can, but sometimes, it can be cost prohibitive. And companies in particular might take the view that if the member has mental illness, it's not something they want to get involved with. I think that's probably counterproductive, but the client is always right. Um, The last thing I was going to say on a private medical context is, if you're a client of mine, or you're an introducer, and you find that you get a good service, please do not be shy about passing my details on to other people. Virtually all of my, my new clients now come from Either client referrals or from IFA introducer referrals, um, introducer accountant IFA referrals. I'm always happy to get a call or an email through from a contact who says, Phil, I've got this friend, relative client who needs advice on the private medical insurance. It's really nice that 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 link comes through because I'm doing a good job for people. And please, if you're ever hesitant and you think, oh, Phil won't have time, I always have time to speak to new clients. Always happy to help if I can last thing is business news. Sometimes I take a business topic or talk about Scottish devolution or or anything that that, that strikes my fancy in a business or insurance context. Today, the theme of my week, sorry, today, I'm not gonna talk about a specific business news item, but I'm gonna talk about a theme of the last week for me. And the themes being overthinking things. I've come across many, many cases this week where an issue has been made far more complicated than it needs to be. My view as a sceptic as a, as a a who lives in a, in a science, reality-based world is that it's the, the whole Occam's razor type approach, that the least number of working parts to any particular problem is always the best way of doing things. I'm getting increasingly frustrated by businesses and just add layer and layer of extra administration. So a process that isn't about simplicity for the user is a process that is fundamentally flawed. And you find this both in terms of extra layers of admin added by people who want to show off how much they know about a particular topic, or, um, a classic this week, an insurer who repeatedly changes the email address that they need their business submitted to. Well, they say they're trying to improve the service. But changing the email address every third or fourth week so that you're continually sending an application to the wrong place is just bonkers. So my message to people is find a process that works for everybody concerned and then stick to it because people like consistency They don't like to be messed around. Right. That's the end of my mini-moan for this week. Thank you for listening to PMICast. Just to finish, if you've got any feedback on the podcast generally, email me at pmicast at gmail.com. If you'd like to comment or participate, please feel free to do so. Follow me on Twitter, I'm at LocalVenture1 and at Phil Knight, PCH. Um, and from a regulatory perspective, I'm an independent healthcare consultant. I'm part of the Premier Choice Group, who are authorised by the Financial Conduct Authority, FCA number 312878. And you can find full details of all my contact information in the show notes to PMICast, and we'll see you all back next week for episode number 57 of PMI Cast. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.